Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analyzing shit books, I guess. (laughs) Today we're looking at chapter 18 of... 365 days. God, I am scattered this evening. (laughs) I could re-record that, but I'm in lockdown and I don't give a shit about anything right now. (laughs) So where we left off, chapter 17 of 365 days, it was a doozy. So we had her going to the cousin's wedding and stealing all of the cousin's attention with her old dance partner slash boyfriend slash predatory groomer, Peter or Pietruder. And so she does this big dance with him at the wedding and then Massimo's annoyed, but he also wants to have a son and then die. And then he's racking up lines at a table at this palatial estate where the wedding is being held. There's stables, there's a hotel. I, it, it was palatial, huge grounds. Anyway, she found him. He's racking up lines with a brother, which she has a brother all of a sudden. I mean, the revelations were just coming one after the other this chapter. And where they left off was Pietre. He was chatting with her in a gazebo. Again, there's a stable, there's a gazebo, there's a hotel. This this wedding venue, very nice. So they're in the gazebo and they're drinking them back. She's knocking back the wines. And I have a theory that she's pregnant. And if she is pregnant, who boy, that's a lot of alcohol for a pregnant chick to be drinking. And so she starts this chapter saying she's woken up by sunlight shining over her face and a grotesquely strong headache. Every chapter is her waking up. Have you guys noticed this? Every chapter she's got to wake up. And I'm like, can we not just start a chapter without her having to wake up on a brand new day? Like, that's not always that necessary to, to start a new chapter every time she goes to sleep. And she's looking around. She doesn't know where she is. And then she realizes she's at the apartment at this wedding venue, the one that Massimo was racking up lines in. And she's like, oh, I'm not in my parents' house. I thought their intention was to go back to the parents' house after the wedding, but I guess Massimo's just booked a hotel room to rack up lines because he wanted to skip out on the speeches. And that's just where she ended up sleeping. But he's not there and she's looking around and there's no one else around. So she gets her phone and Massimo's not answering. And she's annoyed at that. That is one of her bugbears. She doesn't like when he doesn't answer his phone. So then she has a long shower. (laughs) She says, she went to the bathroom and had a long shower. And I'm like, but what clothes are you getting into? All you've got is your dress that you were wearing last night. Your cocktail dress. The the modest nude 
<laughs> short-sleeved, short-hipped. I don't know what it was, but she described it as modest and it was anything but. But, like, that's all you've got. Do you even have anything else? Do you have your own, like, deodorant? Do you have a- any supplies with you at all? Because I don't think you were intending to stay the night at this apartment, at this palatial estate. And then she goes and she looks out the window and the Ferrari's not there where it was parked last night. But Paolo is next to a black SUV. Paolo, oh my God, who's he? Is that the brother? <laughs> I don't know if it's the brother or, it's the, or the security detail. Oh no, it's, it's not the brother. The brother had like a fun name with maybe like starting with a K, like a really Polish name. Paolo must be one of the Italians because you can't be Italian in this book without being called Paolo or Massimo or Domenico. Like every name has to end in O if you're from Italy. That's the rule. And don't tell Blanca nothing different. And she says to Paolo, so I guess she's downstairs now. So she says to Paolo, where's Don Massimo? And he just points to the back of the car and she's like, all right, I'll get in the car. And so then they drive to her parents' house and she walks in holding her shoes in her hand and her mum's like, nothing like a French leave. So they're calling it a French leave when you, when you leave a place early. But like they left really early, really early. I don't think any of the speeches were done. There was the first dance and then the Laura slash Pietre dance. And then she went away and I can't imagine she saw the cake cutting. I would say a French leave is, is when you leave after the cake, but before the, the official end of the ceremonies. So then she goes to have breakfast and her mum hands her a plate of bacon and eggs. Although she says with eggs and bacon, which just really throws me off. I'm like, it's bacon and eggs. Don't say eggs and bacon. That's really jarring. It's bacon and eggs. It's bacon and eggs. No one ever says eggs and bacon. That's crazy. Anyway, the smell of food makes her wretch and she sprints to the bathroom to throw up. She's preggers. Meanwhile, her and her mum are making chit chat. She can't remember anything last night. She doesn't know what's going on. Nothing is coming to her mind after the wine in the gazebo with Pietro. Then she says goodbye to her mum. Don't know where her dad is. If her dad's there, she's not saying goodbye to him. And then Paolo drives her back to Warsaw and she's sleeping in the back seat the whole way. Poor Paolo was just sitting outside that whole time while she was eating eggs and bacon. She couldn't have invited him in and also offered him eggs and bacon for breakfast. Poor Paolo. Then she opens her eyes once she's at the destination and she's assuming it would be her apartment, but no, she's at the airport. And she's like, what the what? And he's like, oh yeah, Massimo's in Sicily. Your plane's waiting for you. And of course she's afraid of planes. So she's got to go into her handbag and search for her pills, her heart pills that are very important. She says the pills that she took for her heart made her sleepy, so she just slept on the plane. Four hours later, she's in Sicily. And there's another car waiting for her with Domenico greeting her at the driveway of the mansion. So we skipped the whole drive from the airport to the mansion in like one sentence, but there we are. It took us one sentence to get there, but but we're there. And she's like, oh, hey, Domenico, how you been? Where's Massimo? And he's like, yeah, he's in the library. You'll meet him for dinner later. And she's like, you know, I didn't even get to pack. And he's like, don't worry. We're bringing everything over tomorrow. And I've restocked your wardrobe. She is just not wearing an article of clothing more than once, is she? Talk about fast fashion. She's getting rid of her clothes pretty fast. If she can only ever wear something once. Restocked the wardrobe. Why why is that necessary, Domenico? You're going over the top, guy. So what does she do? She takes another shower. We always have to hear about her shower routine. I swear to God. And she still can't remember what happened last night, but she thinks, you know what? A pair of red lace underwear will cover me for the night, no matter if he's angry at me or if he's not angry at me. 
And then she's also wearing a black ankle length dress and wedge platform sandals. It's kind of restrained for her, really. So then she goes to dinner. There's Massimo at the table, which is illuminated with candles. Ooh, romantic. And then she walks over and kisses him on the neck. Okay, weird. But he's on the phone talking to someone, so I guess she couldn't get the mouth. And he hasn't said anything to her. He's just staring at her. And then when he gets off the phone, he says, how much do you remember from last night, Laura? Man, this guy's a psycho. Like, what an aggressive way to open the conversation. But she's like, you want to come for me? I'll go, yeah. And she says, oh, I remember the highlights, such as you snorting tons of coke. She hates cocaine. She hates it. And he's like, what about later? And she's like, ah, and I just went out and had a chat and some wine and stuff. And he's like, anything else? And she's like, shit, Massimo, what can I tell you? I went to the garden. Peter was there. He wanted to talk. We had some wine. It happens. And then she tries to flip it back on him. And she's like, by the way, I'm fed up with your constant disappearances. And he's like, well, look, this is what happened. Your brother filled me in on how you hate cocaine. (laughs) And now that he understood that she doesn't feel comfortable with the presence of cocaine, he went to go find her. And he found Pietra forcing himself on her taking advantage of the state she was in. I don't know why he's acting like this is all her fault. But as he says this, he gets up, he gets his wine glass and he smashes it on the floor and it broke into hundreds of shards. Hundreds. I don't know how she got a head count on all the little bits of glass, but it broke into hundreds of shards. And he says that fucking little shit wanted to rape you then and there. And he says, you were so out of it, you thought he was me, so you let him do what he wanted. I had to stop him. Again, this isn't her fault. And she's like, oh no, well, what happened? Did you beat him up? And he's like, ha ha ha, Laura, I killed him. (laughs) And I was like, whoa, okay, that took a turn. Just like that Wendy Williams clip. Have you guys seen that one? Where she's she's just talking like, you know, you know how she sits on the couch and she just talks to the audience being like, put up your hand if you know this, put up your hand if you like this, just gabbing about. I don't know if she has a plan with what she's talking about, but Wendy's there and she's like, oh, who knows this, this guy? And they all look at him and they're like, oh, we don't know who he is. And she's like, well, guess what? He's got 60 million followers on TikTok. And everyone's like, oh, wow. And she's like, but I've got more followers on Instagram. And everyone like in the audience cheers and stuff. And there's like the photo of this guy. He's like a teenager or something behind her. And you think like, oh, she's being shady to this teen. How fun. And then she says, well, guess what? He died. (laughs) It's like, what? Wendy, (laughs) you're giving me whiplash here. I have no idea who this is. Neither does Norman. Neither does one person in this building. Maybe Sus does. Uh, do you know who Swavy is? Clap. Clap if you know who Swavy is. Okay. Sus? Nah, it's not my, it's not my cup of tea (laughs) that I got going on right now. Well, he's a TikTok star. He's got more followers than me. 2.5 million. On TikTok, but on Instagram, you have more followers. Well, as my son Kevin would say, no one uses Instagram anymore. What? And as as far as TikTok, I don't use that at all. Uh Uh-uh. I don't know what that is. I don't want to be involved. (laughs) So here he is. He's 19, and he was murdered Monday morning. Oh. 
Anyway, so he's like, ha, 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 I killed him, Laura. <laughs> Just the, the whiplash of that. He Wendy Williams her, and then he says, but not before he confessed to what he did to you years ago when he was drugged. And we're like, ooh, what did he do to her specifically? Like, she's alluded to having a hard time with him as her boyfriend because of the drugs. But I don't think she gave us specifics. But he's like, if I'd known what he did to you, I would never have allowed him to set foot in the same room as you. How could you not tell me? How could you allow me to eat at the same table as that monster? And she's shocked and terrified. And did you notice how he's like still berating her, being like, how could you? How could you? And I'm like, she's the one that was almost raped last night. Can you maybe give her a bit of empathy? And then he says, I think he must have been planning to fuck you the whole evening. My presence made it harder. So he waited for the right moment. He had drugs on him and I think he spiked your wine. To prove that I'm not lying, we'll do a blood test. So Massimo knows that she was spiked or he at least suspects it, but he's still being such an asshole to her. You know, you could have started the conversation by being like, oh my God, are you okay? <laughs> but nah, he went straight on the attack. Even though he knew if she was drugged with like a roofie, it wasn't really under her control, was it? I tell you what, the victim blaming, it's just too much. And I don't know if Laura's really processing the fact that she was roofied and almost raped yet because she's more worried about the fact that Massimo killed him. I guess it is pretty confronting to know that your fiance murdered your ex-boyfriend. It's quite a story for the grandkid. Remember, because he wants to stop at the son. He doesn't want grandkids. He just wants the one. One son, then done. (laughs) So she doesn't want to be near him at this point in time. So she runs out of the, well, not the restaurant, of the dining table, wherever the hell they are. And she goes to her room. She pops a pill to calm her racing heart. And when the pills started to work, she fell asleep. (laughs) And then it's the next morning and it's not a new chapter. So, wow, that's really some growth from Blanca. And then the next morning, Domenico's knocking on the door and she hears the young Italian. She's always got to describe him as the young Italian. Ugh. And she says, come in. And he comes in and she says, look, Domenico, I want you to do something for me, but I don't want Massimo to know about it. And he's like, mm, depends. And she says, I'd like to see a doctor. I'm not feeling well and I don't want to worry him. And he's like, well, we can just get your own physician who can come here at any time. Yeah, the, the physician that was implicit in um, installing a tracker into her arm and, and just allowing a woman to be kidnapped. We could get that guy in to have a look at you. Why would she trust that? And she's like, I actually want to go to another one. Could you arrange that for me? And he's like, sure, sure. And she's like, I know the man in black would learn all about this, but I needed to know if he had been telling the truth, if I had been drugged at the wedding party. I don't know why she needs to do this behind his back. He he said last night, hey, let's get you a blood test (laughs) to see if there were drugs in your system. And now she's like going behind his back, wanting a separate doctor for anonymity. Bitch, like what's the point with the secrecy? I don't get it. Well, I do get it. It'll come into it plot wise. We'll reach that when we reach that. So she sees the doctor, it's a GP, and she's like, I need these blood samples taken because I think I've been drugged. And she says it was around 1 p.m. So then while they're waiting for the results, Domenico took her to get a late breakfast before driving back to the clinic around three. Late breakfast, bitch, it's 1 p.m. Late breakfast? That's really late, that's late lunch. I'm working from home right now and I'm having having lunch at like 10.30 a.m. And she's having breakfast between one and three. Excuse me? 
So the doctor sits it down and he says, look, yeah, there was ketamine in, <laughs> there was ketamine in your bloodstream. <laughs> that's, quite a, that's quite a big one, right? He says it's a psychoactive substance that can cause amnesia. And he's like, this is very worrying. We need to order more tests and consult with a gyno. And she's like, a gyno? Why? And he says, well, you're pregnant, of course. We need to make sure the baby's okay. So I fucking called it. I fucking called it. She's pregnant. And the only reason Blanca has contrived her to see a separate doctor is because Laura now wants to hide the pregnancy from Massimo. It's a whole big thing. So she's like, excuse me. And the doctor's like, you didn't know. Your blood tests leave no doubt. You're with child. (laughs) What a way to break it to her. And she's like, but I took a test two weeks ago and had my period before that. How is that possible? And the doctor's like, well, a period could still come even three months into a pregnancy. News to me. Tell you what, the the female body just constantly amazes me with all the things that I don't know about it. (laughs) Where does the pee come from? I don't know. None of my business. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pregnancy tests. They're not an exact science. (laughs) So then he's like, we'll order a sonogram. We'll get a gyno in, blah, blah, blah. And she feels like she's going to faint. So I guess she needs to have another heart pill. And she's like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, it's all there in the blood. I don't know if it would pop up in a blood test trying to find drugs. Like, would it just automatically pop up that they're pregnant? Or do you have to run a test specifically looking for that? Not too clear. But also, wasn't she just in hospital getting heart surgery? Like a couple of weeks ago, she was in hospital getting heart surgery. She very well could have been pregnant then and no one picked it up. Or did the heart surgery not happen? It's still unclear whether that actually happened. Because if it did happen, it didn't work because she's still fainting all the time. She's still relying on those heart pills. Ah, was it a dream sequence? (sighs) I need a right to Blanca and ask her. And so then she says to the doctor, are you bound by doctor-patient confidentiality? And he nods. (laughs) And then she's like, well, tell no one. And he's like, yeah, okay, sure. And then she goes to walk out of the hospital after getting some more blood taken. She walks right past Domenico, doesn't even acknowledge him. And the Domenico's like, um, hello. And he chases up with her. And she says, the events of the last couple of days, my anger and all that suddenly became unimportant. I was pregnant. (laughs) My anger and all that and all that. No specifics. Not the fact that your fiance murdered your ex-boyfriend that you lived with for six years. I mean, yeah, he was a druggie. Yeah, he tried to rape you. Yeah, he, he spiked your drink with ketamine. But he did die. I'm not here to defend Pietra, but I think you would still be a bit rattled that your boyfriend killed your ex-boyfriend. I'd be rattled. But she says, and all that, it's not important now because she's preggers. And Domenico's like, what's wrong? Are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm anemic. <laughs> That's why I'm so tired all the time. and she just tries to like put on a fake smile and I was like you just walked out of the hospital past him looking stressed popping popping heart pills and you're like I'm anemic (laughs) so she's in the car heading back to the mansion and she gets her phone out and she calls Olga and Olga answers by saying hi you bitch (laughs) god I love Olga and she's like babe are you free next week I need you to come down to Sicily and she's like, oh, I don't know, not counting the blonde guy with his rocket dick. My schedule's clear. My main guy left to conquer a new market. So it seems I won't be doing much. What? The blonde guy with a rocket dick? And then her main guy conquering, conquering new markets. What is her life? We knew there was a blonde guy, but did we know he had a rocket dick? That's, that's new information. And then Olga's like, wait a minute, you're already in Sicily. When did that happen? And she's like, just come. I'll set everything up. Just come. And she's like, sure, I'll be there. And then she says, did that godly Italian of yours do something stupid? 
If he did, I'll kill the motherfucker. I ain't afraid of no mob. I bet she's not. If she's not afraid of a blonde with a rocket dick, she's not afraid of anything. Like a rocket dick, does that just mean it goes fast? Or it goes up once and breaks into pieces? Or it, or it comes to a point? Like what's, oh. It's a lot to think about with a rocket dick. So she tells Olga, I'll take care of everything. I'll let you know once I've taken care of everything and get you here. And then she turns the phone off. She puts it in a bag and then she looks at Domenico and she says, can you arrange the flights from Poland? So she's totally taking credit for organizing Olga's little trip, but she's getting Domenico to do everything. Poor Domenico. The young Italian is her manservant at this point. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And Domenico's like, will she stay for the wedding? And she's like, oh, fuck the wedding. Remember because he said, I'm marrying you in seven days. And that was on Saturday. I think today might be Monday. Yeah, it's Monday today. So she's just a few days from the wedding, really. And she'd forgotten about the wedding. So she says to Domenico, was everybody aware of it? Was I the only one kept in the dark? What do you mean? You consented to the wedding in a week on Saturday, remember? I know you were a bit caught out by it, but as we all were. But you did say, okay. So I don't know why she thinks she's the one kept in the dark about the wedding on the weekend. Just because, well, okay, she did have ketamine in her wine, which can cause amnesia, so... I don't begrudge her for forgetting. (laughs) So she gets back to the mansion. She traverses the labyrinth of corridors to find the library. (sighs) The labyrinth of corridors. This mansion's just full of corridors. Nothing but corridors in this huge mansion. She acts like it's a hedge maze. And it's like, mate, it's just a mansion. I assume you walk in, there's a nice big lobby. And and then you walk down and there's a couple of doors. Uh, 
it's not a hedge maze. But she walks through the labyrinth of corridors. And there's the man in black in the library on, at a table with several other men. And she says, we need to talk. And he says, not now, baby girl. Can't wait till the evening. And she's like, ugh, fine. <laughs> so she comes in full of bluster. And then he says, ah, actually, now's not a good time. And she's like, sure, pardon me. And she's like, I need a car. I need to go for a drive and clear my head. And I need to be the one driving. And he's like, yeah, Domenico will get you a car, but you can't go anywhere without security. Is everything all right? And she's like, I just need to get away from this place. And then she turns it back on him and she leaves, closing the door behind her. And I, I guess the other people at the table were just like, um, okay, back to business. And she walks straight up to Domenico, her manservant, and she says, I need a car. Massimo said you'll get me one. Keys, please. It's like, wow, okay. Can you let a bitch breathe? He just got in the door from ferrying you about to doctor's appointments into a late breakfast, aka lunch. And now you're demanding him to whip out keys? He's halfway through calling a travel agent to get Olga on a flight because you're just shirking all of your responsibilities. He's run off his feet and now you're like, keys, please. But I tell you what, this is why they pay him the big bucks. He just walks out, goes to the driveway and he says, wait here, I'll bring you a car. He is very qualified for his job, which is unclear what that job is, but he's doing it great. And then a cherry Porsche comes up. Uh, I don't understand these cars. She's describing these cars and their colors. And I never understand what to be imagining because I'm not a car guy. But he says it's a turbo version with a very powerful engine. It can go over 170 miles per hour, but please don't do that. <laughs> and then she gets in the car. There's a cream colored leather interior with knobs and buttons and lights, which is she's always telling us all these cars have so many fancy lights and buttons and knobs. We don't care. The only knob we care about in this book is Massimo's. And then the young Italian AKA Domenico, he's knocking on the window and he's like, okay, so this button controls the AC. This button is the transmission. And uh, I could not care less, but we're getting the full rundown. And he's like, there's the manual in the glove compartment if you have any questions. I'm surprised she didn't print the whole damn manual and add it into the book as an appendix. And even Laura's had enough of it. She's like, yeah, haha, okay, I've had enough, bye. And she stomps on the accelerator and drives off. And a black SUV starts following her. But she's not in the mood for company. So as soon as she gets on the highway, she's flooring the accelerator and she's speeding like crazy, overtaking other cars until the black SUV disappears from the rear view. And then she took the first exit and she drives towards town because she thinks they won't think to look for her there. They won't think to look for her in the nearest town. Why is that exactly? Why would they not think to look, look for you in the, the city's major hub? She parks at a beach, she puts the sunnies on and she sits in the sand and cries. To her credit, she has found out a lot in like the past 24 hours. Her boyfriend killed her ex. Her ex tried to rape her and doped her up with ketamine. She's pregnant. All of those things. That's a lot. Plus, she's probably got some jet lag. So I feel for her. And she's sitting there thinking, what have I done? I had come here two months ago and now I was the woman, the head of the mob, about to have his baby. And then she wailed. She's crying, howling in anguish. Hours passed like minutes and she sat there with all these thoughts speeding through her mind. And I was like, whoa, it's only been two months. It's only been two months and we're getting to the end of the book. And I'm starting to suspect that we are not getting the full 365 days, considering we're only at 65 days. So my question is, why would you name a book 365 days if if you're only going to cover two months of it? That's like selling a calendar that ends at February. 
So she's got all these questions going through her head. What do I tell my mum? What do I tell Massimo? What's going to happen? How could I be so stupid? Why had I trusted him? And then she says, which is like a Polish swear word. And then she hears someone say, I know that word. And she lifts her head and there's the man in black sitting next to her in the stand. She can always get snuck up on, can't she? People are always saying something and then she's turning and seeing them. And he must have been pretty close because she groaned that swear word. And to hear that over the sounds of the waves crashing, he must have been within quite a distance. And he says, you can't run away from the security guys, baby girl. They aren't there to annoy you, but to protect you. I don't know. She kind of did give him the slip because she said she's been sitting there for hours. She says hours pass like minutes and he's only just caught up with us. So maybe, maybe it's not been hours or maybe it did take them a while to find her or maybe this is more likely the security guys have just been hanging back watching her and Massimo is in no rush. So he just finished his meeting and then casually came to sit by her and comfort her on the beach. That's probably what's happened because he says, yeah, the car has a tracker. Everything's got a tracker. And he's like, yeah, the security is still going to be in trouble though. Even though we had a tracker in the car, they still shouldn't have been able to get eluded by you. And she's like, oh no, will you kill him? And he's like, Laura, that's no reason to kill a man. He's so reasonable all of a sudden. (laughs) And then Massimo's like, what's wrong? Why'd you go to that doctor? And then she's mad at Domenico, disgusted by his lack of discretion. It's like, yeah. As much as he's doing everything for you, he doesn't work for you. He makes your appointments. He books your friend's flights to Sicily, but he doesn't technically work for you, babe. So yeah, he's going to tell his boss slash brother that you've been to the doctor. And you think Massimo's not asking him for a blow by blow? And she decides not to tell him just yet about the pregnancy. And she's like, yeah, it's just the stress. I went to the clinic that you were right. There was ketamine in my bloodstream. That's why I can't remember anything. Did you really kill him? And he says, yeah, I hit him and then took him to the pond by the stables. So there, yeah, there's a pond by the stables, this estate. And he says, I wanted to scare him a bit, but when I started, I couldn't stop. Whoopsie. And he says, so yeah, I, I killed him. And Carlo's men took care of everything else. Who's Carlo again? Another Italian name ending in O. There are other Italian names that end in different letters, right? I know they all end in like consonants, but there's Luigi, Luca. Giovanni. And then she's like, Jesus, how could you? Why did you do it? Well, that's kind of clear. He was about to rape you and he drugged you with ketamine. I mean, that's, that's your excuse right there. Why did you do it? And he says, because I wanted to. And he says, now don't think about it anymore. As you said, you don't have a time machine, so you can't do anything about that now. It's like, okay, yeah, easier said than done. And she's thinking, oh, I've got to say something to get him off my back. And then she thinks, you know what? I wasn't actually as worried by Peter's death as I was about having to give birth to a child of the man now looming above me. So she doesn't really care about Peter anymore, but she is getting pretty intimidated by Massimo. At least she's acknowledging that he's being controlling and crazy. I still think she's going to end up getting married to him in seven days. So we'll have to see. But she says, you've killed a man and it's my fault. Now I have a guilty conscience and I can't live like that. She says, the only thing I want now is to get on a plane and never see you again. So either you do as I ask or this will be the last time you see me. And he's like, geez, fine. So he walks off. But before he goes, he says, Olga will be here tomorrow at noon. And then she says, the sun was about to set, which made me realize I hadn't eaten anything today. That's not the case. You went for a late breakfast at 1 p.m. That's only like four hours ago. 
I hadn't eaten anything today. Yes, you did. What, did you go to late breakfast and not eat? So she leaves the beach area and goes to like a strip of restaurants and she finds the one where she first met Massimo. And then she's looking through the menu and as much as she doesn't want to be pregnant, she's still like, oh, what foods will be safe for me to eat as a pregnant person? And so she thinks, oh, I'll just pick the pizza. That's the safest option. You've got ketamine in your bloodstream. I think it's okay if you eat like some soft cheeses right now. And then she's trying to pay for a food and the waiter's like, oh no, we have your photograph. Don Musselman's men sent it to us. You're a VIP guest, so you don't pay for anything. And she goes, oh, okay, I'll have another tomato juice then. Uh, Tomato juice, if it were me and someone just said to me, oh, actually, you don't have to pay at this establishment. Instead of ordering one extra glass of tomato juice, I'd be like, bring on a pizza. Is that a Nutella calzone? Bring one of them. Yeah, I'll have a crock and bush. And even if I'm pregnant and I can't have alcohol, I'll be like, you know what? Bring me a milkshake. Bring me a range of mocktails. And yeah, I'll have some garlic bread. Chuck me some extra garlic bread as well. I would be feasting up in that bitch. And she's ordering a tomato juice. And she's just sitting in her seat, drinking tomato juice, staring out at the ocean. And then someone's like, I can see you're bored. Allow me to keep you company. And this young, dark haired man sits next to her and he's like, oh, where are you from? And she's like, I'm not in the mood for company. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But maybe you should tell me all your problems. That way you don't have to be afraid of being judged because I don't know you. It'll be a relief, trust me. And uh, dude, she's not interested. This has never happened to me though, where I'm like sitting alone at a restaurant, getting pestered by people wanting to date me. It's never happened in my life. But when I see it on TV, I'm like, that's so creepy. But if it did happen to me, I'd be like so flattered. I'd be like, you? You want to date me, even though I'm sitting here eating eight pizzas and a garlic bread and a milkshake? But when a guy's doing it to a girl on her own at a restaurant, it's creepy. And she's like, yeah, I actually really want to be alone right now. And you can get into trouble just by sitting next to me. So maybe go pester someone else. But he doesn't back down. So he slides his chair closer and he's like, I think the guy you're thinking about doesn't deserve you. And uh, I mean, you're right. But why is that your line? Like, where are you getting that information from? Random stranger. What confidence? And she says, you know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about the fact that I'm pregnant and about to get married on Saturday. So get your ass up and check if you're not needed at the bar. (laughs) Hilarious. But then she hears a voice from behind him say, pregnant? And it's Don Massimo sneaking up on her again. What shoes is he wearing? He must be wearing the sneakiest sneakers because he's always sneaking up on her and he's always overhearing the conversation. And he's looking at her and she's like, well, what was I supposed to tell him? That you'll kill him? It's easier to lie and safer. What are you doing here, by the way? And he's like, oh, I came to here to have dinner. (laughs) And she just said, leave me alone. And, And all of a sudden, it's a coincidence. He just happens to be at this restaurant to have dinner. Whereas we all know that she's got a tracker in her arm. She's got a tracker implant. So of course, whenever he bumps into her, it's not a coincidence, which is also interesting that when she was at the beach, he was like, the car's got a tracker on it, Laura. They tracked the car. And I was like, whoa, she's also got a tracker in her arm. So why wouldn't you just track that at all times? It's kind of a moot point that the car had a tracker, isn't it? And he says, besides, I'm leaving tomorrow and I want to say goodbye. And she's like, leaving. And he's like, yeah, I got to work, baby girl. Stop calling a baby girl, especially because you might have a baby girl soon. And he says, but don't worry, I'll be back in time for the wedding. He's like, you and Olga should go out and have a bachelor party, use the credit card, the keys to the apartment, it's all yours. 
and you need to go get a wedding dress. And capitalist Laura, she sort of softens at that because, you know, she loves rampant consumerism. I guess the idea of a wedding dress just tips her over the edge and she softens at his warm and tender voice. She says it's the warm and tender voice, but I just know it's her thinking about trying on a wedding dress that really calms her down. And she says, at the same time, that unpredictability was one of the things I loved about him. Oh boy, you just like getting nice things and not paying for tomato juice. Be real. So then they decide to leave together and they drive the Porsche home. And then when she's getting in the car, she's hesitating, thinking if she should fasten her seatbelt because she said she'd read somewhere that pregnant women shouldn't do that. I've not heard this. I'm kind of of the belief that a pregnant person would probably fare better off with a seatbelt in a car crash instead of going through the windshield. And maybe, yeah, a seatbelt's worth the risk. But again, you've got ketamine in your bloodstream. I think a seatbelt's fine. And then she says to him, how did you know where I was? And he laughs and steps on the accelerator and he says, remember, baby girl, I always know what you're doing. Um, well, no, it's, it's because of the tracker in your arm, Laura. Are we forgetting about the tracker in her arm? I think she's forgotten because we certainly know it wasn't a a, a contraceptive implant. We went through all of that rigmarole. It's a tracker. Why is she shocked that he can find her? So they get out of the car and she says, I'll go to my room. And she's gently stroking her belly. So for someone who's trying to not seem pregnant and not tell her fiance that she's pregnant, she's doing a lot of belly rubs, a lot of belly work indicating pregnancy. I think maybe cut that out if you're trying to pretend like you're not pregnant. And he says, well, actually I've relocated you. Let me show you to your new room. And she says, I liked the old one. She groaned as he led her down the corridor, the corridor, the labyrinth of corridors. And that's the end of the chapter. So she's moving into the big boy room. Great. What a cool, cool cliffhanger. Only a few chapters left guys. There's three left. So I'll, I'll do them over the next couple of weeks. I might mix some of them together and then I'll do the, the movie breakdown. I'm really excited to watch this movie, this 365 days on Netflix. If it's anything like the book, it's going to be trash, (laughs) but I'm really interested to see if that clears up the questions I have about like the heart surgery and the heart pills and the heart condition in general. That's mainly what I want my answers about. And I can't wait to see someone depict Olga because she is just such a pantomime of a person. I can't wait to see someone try and bring realism to that character. So I'll cover that. And then I'm thinking Fifty Shades, the sequel. What's that? Fifty Shades Darker? If you're opposed to that, or if you have a better idea, reach out to me. You can comment on the Patreon or send me an email or hit me up in the DMs, whatever. If you think Fifty Shades would be a bad idea, or if you have a better idea, let me know because I'm open to suggestions at this point. But I think that's where I'm heading. Anyway, lovely chatting with you guys. I'll see you next week for maybe the wedding. Probably not the wedding, to be honest. It's probably just going to be wedding dress shopping and more pregnancy hiding, perhaps. Or maybe we'll cram in the next 300 days. We've got 300 days left to fit into three chapters. Will she do it? I don't know. I'll see you next week. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. 
To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.